Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him. You're listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities, and it is our aim to lead you to the cross through the teaching of God's Word. Welcome to Truth Set Free, our Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities Q&A program. It is recorded live on Wednesdays at 3.30 p.m. with Pastor Matt Lewis and Steve Winery. You can view the live program at our Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities Facebook page and on our YouTube channel. You can text your questions to 707-872-7677 or email them to crosswalkradio at gmail.com. The other thing I realized is that God actually loved me, and I didn't know that either. And the hell part was more of a motivation for me than the love part was because I had no idea what the love of God meant. And so I knew that the Lord came down and he died for my sin, you know, and he paid my price on the cross and that he did that because he loved me. But that's not all registering on the day that I get saved. And so, yes, it is, that's... That's a motivation that's used throughout Scripture for people not to uh, continue in the way that they're going. Why, you know, in in the book of Ezekiel, God talks about why should you die? Why won't you turn and repent? And and that's his motivation for getting the people of Israel to turn away from their sin. And it's again death, and he's talking about spiritual death in the passage. So, yeah. So Romans two four is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. The context there is basically people who are judging falsely in the sense of condemning. So, you know, it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. When you're in a relationship with the Lord, that's the thing that drives me to continually wanting to come back is the goodness of God. It drives me to repentance. But if you didn't have the hell part, for my personality, like, I don't know that that would have got my attention. Well, yeah, it's like like, uh, I I heard an example. I think this comes from Ray Comfort. He's talking about people on an airplane. And so you're on an airplane and the stewardess stands up in front and says, okay, we're on an airplane and we want to, you know, safety is our number one priority. And so what we want to do is give everybody a parachute. And so starts going around and saying, would you like a parachute? Would you like a parachute? And some people are sitting there looking at her. No, I don't want a parachute. You know, this plane's not going down and, uh, and that kind of thing. And other people are like, okay, yeah, I'll take the parachute. That makes all kinds of sense. Other people are like, well, I'll take the parachute. And then they sit on the parachute. That's how you used to do it. Um, they, sit, they sit on the parachute, and the parachute's uncomfortable. And over, over a period of time, they're just like, oh, this is so ridiculous. I'm taking the parachute off. You know, and a lot of times, that's how the gospel is presented to people. And then the other illustration is the stewardess gets on the microphone and says, okay, the captain of the plane has just told me that we're going down. And we are going to crash over land. This, this plane is going to hit the, hit the ground at better than 500 miles per hour. And so we need to get off this plant, plane. Anybody want a parachute? <laughs> you know, and there's not going to be any question yeah. because there, there's a consequence to the whole thing. And the, that's the situation with the gospel. God is giving us a parachute that's literally going to save us from destruction. 
and that needs to be presented. Uh, it needs to be presented. So the one of the arguments or one of the things that comes up with this is that you know the people that stand on the side sidewalks holding signs that God hates gays or you're going to hell and they're just fl- they're just screaming and yelling and a lot of it's out of anger and stuff and then they'll counter that with how you witness to people and that's true right mm-hmm. all that is, is is true if you're misrepresenting God but the first time that I was ever presented with the gospel I remember it specifically because going to hell was a part of the message and it stopped. I was like eight years old, first church camp. Mm-hmm. And it's the fear, uh, the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And there is a fear part that is part of the gospel message. Right. It goes hand in hand. Yeah, Jesus, when he was talking to Nicodemus, he goes through and he talks about being born again. But, you know, at the end of his witness to Nicodemus, he says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and the world loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And everybody who's evil does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed, and everyone who basically is walking in righteousness comes to the light. Now, that kind of stuff. And he, and he goes through, and he talks about condemnation with Nicodemus. When he's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees in Matthew chapter 23, he goes, you guys search heaven and earth to find one disciple, one one convert, and you make him twice the son of hell that you are. And Jesus flat out tells them they're going to hell, you know, and so you have that. Then on the other hand, he did not do that with the woman who was caught in adultery, and he did not do that with the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. He, he did not talk to them about judgment. And the reason he didn't talk to them about judgment is because they both already knew that they were going to be judged because of their lifestyles. And so he didn't have to address that issue with them. Where with Nicodemus, it's an issue because he thought he was awesome. (laughs) And with the Pharisees, obviously, uh, and the Sadducees, uh, it was an issue because they thought they were awesome. And I I fully take the parachutes now because I fly Alaska Airlines. Yeah. So, if, yeah. you, if you don't know that story, I'll bet you, I'll bet you everybody who's on that plane, every <laughs> single person who's on that yeah, plane, yeah, they are parachute people now. Right? Is they're going to be they're going to be looking for the exits when they when they get on get on the plane, and they're probably not going to be sitting by the exits. No doubt. <laughs> if you don't know, and this actually was in Portland, Oregon, but part of the fuselage in the exit row blew out mid-flight on one of the Alaska planes, yeah. I think last week or something. Yeah, I don't. actually, I don't think it was an exit row. Oh, it wasn't? No, I don't think so. Oh. It was uh, a it door, was a, though, wasn't but, it? Yeah, it was, a, it was a door, but I don't think that the door was actually a, a, in an exit row. Okay. So uh, I think it was in row 26. It might be. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. That, that'll wake you up, though. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. Next one is Darcy. And she wants to know, when were angels created? If they were part of the six days of creation, what was the timing of the fall of Satan? Right. Okay. So, Darcy, um, one of the things I I want to make a point of is letting you know that I don't know how quickly time moves in heaven. I know that time moves. At, At least that's the revelation that we've got. And so you have people who are in heaven in uh, Revelation chapter 6. They're called the martyrs under the altar. And they say, how long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge those 
who are on the earth, uh, you know, those uh, obviously who have martyred us. And so they're waiting, right? And events follow events in the, in the book of Revelation. In the book of Daniel, you have an angel that, that comes to meet with Daniel, and he's held up for three weeks uh, as he's having a, a spiritual warfare with a demon that's called the Prince of Persia. And so I don't think heaven in the sense of where angels dwell is timeless, because otherwise that angel could have just stepped back out and stepped back in wherever he wanted to, right? And so I don't think that heaven is timeless, but I don't know that heaven runs at the same time that, that we run. And that has to do with relativity theory and, and that kind of stuff. So even on the earth uh, or even in our universe, time does not run at the same rate in every place in the universe, and so if you, if you watched... Um, Interstellar. Interstellar, yeah, thanks. If you watched Interstellar, that's a, that's a great example, and it's, and it's factually accurate of what can happen when you're in a gravity well and, and how time runs for you versus somebody who's on the outside of it. Okay, so, to, so what I'm telling you is time doesn't run the same way. And I don't know how it runs in heaven. I have no way to know that. Okay, so here's where you can see when angels were created. And it's in Job 38, and it is in, let's see, verses 4 through 7. And it's God talking to Job, and he says, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And sons of God in that passage, this is a term that's used in the Old Testament for angels. Okay, And so what you have there is God speaking to Job. And one of the things that he tells us is that the angels saw the laying of the foundation of the earth. Okay, So then you go back to, to the book of Genesis. And in Genesis chapter 1, he says it says, In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Okay? And so the place where angels were created is at the point, at the, at the midpoint of the creation of the heavens and the earth. And so there has to be a place for them to inhabit. And so when you're talking about heavens there, that can be talking, you know, there's a number of heavens. And so you got the atmosphere, that's a heaven in the Bible. You've got space, that's a heaven in the Bible. And you've got heaven, what we call heaven, and that's a heaven in the Bible. And so I think that what's being spoken about there is that those heavens, besides the atmosphere, were there, the space was there, and heaven was there before the earth was created because the earth has to be in heaven. And when the earth is created, then obviously the atmosphere is put around the earth and that third heaven there is something that's put there. And so where I would put the creation of the angels is somewhere between the creating of the heavens, specifically um, space and heaven itself and the earth because they saw the, the laying of the foundations of the earth. So they saw the earth being formed. So that's where you would put that. And then you have to have a fall and there's a six-day creation here um, as far as earth is concerned. And you have to have a fall before you get to Genesis chapter 3 
where you have the temptation and the fall of man, right? So somewhere in, in between there. I don't know how long they were in the garden either. And again, you, you've got issues here because I don't know, I don't know if there wasn't something going on with time at that point too. So time, time is something that's fungible in the sense that it kind of moves around. I, I kind of think that time would be the same for Adam and Eve pre-fall and post-fall, but that's, I don't know anything really about what the world was like pre-fall except for what you have in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, right? And so I, I don't know, there's differences between what we have in 1 and 2 and the rest of the Bible as far as how the world works. And again, I, I don't know how all that works. And I don't want to open up a can of worms here, but uh, you may be asking, you know, thinking, what are the differences? And one of them is decay. And so before the fall, apparently there was no decay. There was no, I don't know that there wasn't a, a second law of thermodynamics, because I don't know how you would walk without the second law of thermodynamics. You, you, you've got to have... You've got to have friction and things like that. And that's, that's a function of the second law. But there wasn't this whole thing with everything running down that we have post-fall. And, and so you have some issues going on there. And so what I'm telling you is that the universe was different pre-fall and post-fall. And that may have something to do with time also. So the variables that you have here are what's happening uh, pre-fall and post-fall on the earth and in the universe as a whole regarding time, okay? And I don't think that there's, there, there can be huge amounts of differences there because Adam has a specific age, right? So I, but I, again, I don't know what that is. And I don't know what the variables are as far as time in heaven versus time here on earth. Yeah, you're talking multi-dimensions, you're talking different masses, yeah. you're talking everything that would change that. Right. Okay, so, so the reason I'm telling you that is because some people will say that between Genesis 1 and Genesis 3, there's not enough time for Satan to have fallen right? and for all the angels to have fallen. I have no idea if that's true or not. Sure. What the, the assumption there is time is running in exactly, with exactly the same clocks in heaven as it is here on earth, and I don't know that. Okay. When you went through Genesis, I know you went through it in 2020 and before, did you present that view when you went through on the, on the timelessness? Because for some reason, I've never remember hearing that. But when you go up against the gap theory and things that yeah. they're trying to get that time, right. and then they throw in dinosaurs and all this other stuff, I don't know why I've never thought about it like that, but that's, that's an answer that's sufficient. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I've ever told anybody that. You know, this, these are things that I think about when I'm laying in my bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of crazy. But you I know, mean, so, when you're yeah. going through the whole tohu vabohu and that it was formed without void, and I mean, that's an answer that you don't know the parameters. And you could be talking about seconds, minutes. You could be talking about years, decades mm -hmm. when you have the differences in time there. Well, when you're when you're talking about right? gen, well, when you're talking about Genesis chapter one, it's constrained by the rotation of the Earth. Yeah, but if, evening and morning are the first day. But if angels were created, heavens, right. that that could be pre-Earth. It is pre-Earth. Yeah, so they, then, saw the, the, they saw the laying of the foundation of the Earth. Yeah, yeah so th exactly. So their yeah. their dimension, multi-dimensional being, uh -huh. clearly has the scientific parameters that to me almost surely will put him in a different dwelling of time span than Adam. 
right? You, Even though he was perfect and sin didn't corrupt and right. all that. Yeah, and and so when you're when you're again when you're talking about this and and this is all speculation. Sure, sure. You know when you're talking about heaven, is there gravity? Right. You know, and it looks like I mean they're pinned down to the glassy sea. You know, it's like right. it's like they're they're standing. But and, when he does the so, matrix into the ascension, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean he's defying those dimensions. Right, exactly. And so there is a constraint on on time, as far as the Earth goes. Here's a, here's another thing about about this whole thing, and this I have talked about this when I've talked about creation. When you're when you're talking about the Earth, the creation of the heavens and the Earth, and specifically the stars, the stars and the sun and the moon are created on the fourth day. And so, when you're talking uh, about the the stars specifically in the in the creation of the stars, if you have what's called an a bounded universe, the physics of the day right now, astrophysics of the day uh, postulates an unbounded universe and. There's reasons for that, and most of them are, are just choice, okay? But if you have a bounded universe, then, then basically you have the universe working in the way that most people actually think it works. With an unbounded universe, a lot of this stuff is not intuitive. And so I can almost guarantee that most of you are thinking that the, that the, wor- the universe works as if it had a boundary. If the universe does have a boundary, then that means it's got a certain amount of mass that's within that boundary. And if the universe is spreading out, like we believe that it is, it's moving apart, then all of that mass was in one place at one time, and you had the biggest black hole there ever was. Okay, And that's how most people think. That is not how the Big Bang works. That's not how astrophysics works. That's not, that's not how these guys are thinking. They're, they're not thinking that the mass is moving through space. That would be a bounded universe. They're thinking that space itself is stretching, and so the mass in one place doesn't really matter because of the rules there. So if you're starting off with the biggest black hole ever, you're in, in an interstellar type of situation where it matters where you are in relation to that black hole. And so, basically, you'd have the universe spreading out from this black hole. It would get out, get, get out beyond what's called the event horizon. That's where, where the gravity isn't affecting you as radically. Okay? But when you, get to, when you get to the event horizon, one of the things that happens for somebody that is there is time literally stops for them in relation to what they see on the outside of the universe. And... Basically, what they would see is galaxies spinning. They could see galaxies spin, like you like you do on Star Wars and stuff like that. Galaxies don't move, as as far as we're concerned. We can't see the movement of a galaxy, but they would actually spin, and time would speed up, be sped up out in the universe, so that billions of years could could take place, while seconds are taking place with you in the event horizon. It's just a really weird thing. And so to, to your point, angels being outside of the earth, and if, uh, if that whole scenario um, was actually factual, then angels could be doing things for billions of years mm-hmm. before the earth ever gets to the point where it, it comes out and it's in the actual universe that we're in right now. Time it becomes what it is to us right now. And so the point being that galaxies far away in this scenario 
could be billions of years old while the earth is only thousands at the very same time, right? And so if that's the case with galaxies far, far away, then that could also be the case for heaven. And all of that is conjecture. So what was the timing of the fall of Satan? It's between, it's between the heavens and the earth. Verse right. 1. No. At the end of the story, God looks around and he goes, everything's good. That would have to include heaven. Yeah. So it would have to be after that. Yeah. It would have to be after that. And what? that's what verse? That's... Chapter 1, verse... Let's see. Then God saw every verse, uh, chapter one, verse thirty-one. Then God saw everything that He had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And I can't, I can't see God proclaiming everything very good when you're talking about heaven and the rebellion that takes place and the the fall of Satan and his angels. Right. Which so, is another reason they try and separate verses one and two with a long period of time, mm-hmm. and that it became without form and void, and that was when. Yeah. The non-good happened. Yeah. So this is, okay. this is uh, you know, that's those are the parameters there. <laughs> Geeked out a little bit there, yeah. but now we're back. I like all that geeky stuff. Sorry if you guys don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People are still watching, so yeah. there's some geeks out there with us. Okay, this is my next question. Uh, I'm not Catholic and don't believe in repenting to a priest, but do we have to repent about repent every time we sin? Or... Is all of our sin already forgiven and forgotten and our works don't get to us or don't get us into heaven? For instance, when we sin, are we not saved until we repent? Or is it that all we need to do is believe in Jesus and that alone will get us into heaven and be saved? Okay. Salvation is something that you do not work for. And so when you're when you're talking about your relationship with God, that's something that is dealt with on the cross, and it is something that um, you can trust in, and it is not something that you lose because you had a bad thought about somebody, or you did something mean to somebody, or that kind of thing, okay? As far as confession goes, the Bible says, yes, you need to confess your sin. And uh, one of the one of the things that you need to know about confessing your sin is you haven't ever gotten them all. <laughs> Paul in First uh, Corinthians chapter four, when he when he's talking about his own walk with God, he has he has this to say. Um, with me, this is chapter four, verse three and four. He says, "With me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself." For I know of nothing against myself, yet I'm not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. And then in verse 5 he says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will bring both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart, then each one's praise will come from God. And so when Paul, Paul talks about his walk with God, and he says, I don't know anything against myself, but that doesn't make me okay. That's all the time we have for this week. If you have questions for Pastor Steve, email us at crosswalkradio at gmail.com or send us a text at 707-872-7677. God bless. You've been listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. 
Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities in Kennewick, Washington. If you are interested in purchasing a copy of today's message or wanting to know more about what it means to follow Christ, then please contact our church office by phone at 509-736-2086. You can also look us up online at calvary-tricities.org. There you will find a wide variety of Pastor Steve's teachings to listen to or download for free. If you want to join us for church sometime, we are located at 10611 West Clearwater Avenue in Kennewick, Washington. Our Sunday morning service times are 7.30, 9.15, and 11 a.m. We also have Wednesday and Sunday evening services at 6.30 p.m. We hope you have been blessed today and join us again next time for Crosswalk.